1620. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Happy New Year. Welcome to our first show of 2021, or are we saying 2021? I, I, I haven't got quite gotten the hang of that yet. I'm still writing 1978 on my checks. So, uh, you know, we, 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 we'll, we'll get through it together, I promise. Uh, but we are starting a new year, and with a new year comes a whole lot of great new stuff to look forward to in the world of entertainment. And we are going to discuss uh, some of the most eagerly anticipated projects of that new year. Got a couple of my favorite guests on the line with me this morning to talk about it. First of all, joining me from the Movies Are Terrible channel, Jeremy Branch. Honor to be here, kicking off the new year right as far as pop culture and entertainment goes. So uh, glad to be back. The last time we all did this together, it was me and you and Andy discussing Christmas movies. So I'm glad to be back to kind of look forward at this year ahead. There you go. Uh, well, you know, we had Merry Christmas. Now we got to go to have the Happy New Year. So that's how that works. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, of course, as as you mentioned, joining us also, uh, you know him from the long-running front row column in the Pensacola News Journal and longtime Pensacola entertainment uh, writer and, and critic, Andy Metzger. It's a pleasure to be on the air with you, Julio. Looking forward to talking about this exciting year of pop culture. Well, uh, we, we we certainly hope it's going to be exciting. We uh, we hope we're going to be looking forward to a much uh, much more positive 2021 than we did uh, 2020. Uh, in in terms of, we hope that we're going to be able to go to live events again. We hope that we're going to be able to uh, see things like concerts return. We hope that we're going to be able to feel good about going to movie theaters, and not that they haven't been open, not that some of us haven't been enjoying them, but that they'll be back to full capacity and showing the uh, the big blockbuster films that we love, many of which were supposed to have come out in uh, in 2020 and now will be, presently, scheduled to come out in 2021. So in the broad scheme, you know, well, let's start with that. What are, your, I guess, a return to normalcy would be probably the the top of the list of what we're hoping for in terms of, this new year, uh, Jeremy, what in, in that perspective, what are you hoping for or most looking forward to? Outside of the realm of just specifically movies, right? Not well. I mean, it could be you know going back to the movie theater that would certainly certainly count. But I'm, I'm rather than talking about oh, I'm looking forward to this specific movie or I'm looking Copy. forward to the, yeah, I'm lo- I'm talking about what kind of experiences are you looking forward to be hopefully being able to have again. Yeah, I think you touched on the big ones for probably for probably you, myself, and Andy as well. Like for me, one of the things that I am just craving more than anything is an outdoor music festival. I really want to go see some some music and just uh, God, I I already hate myself for saying this, but to be able to vibe with people, uh, large groups of people, and just all kind of share in this positive communal experience. I think we all need that so desperately right now we've all been pent up and and along with that comes access to news and media and social media and everybody's just kind of been barraged with negativity for so long that i think once we finally get to 
get out there and just like breathe it in and, and get back to the, the positivity. I think the sooner the better. So outdoor music festivals, absolutely something I'm looking forward to. And then just being able to like go grab dinner with a couple friends on a Tuesday night would be fantastic as well at this point. So like, like you said, normalcy, I'm just, I'm craving it so much. And just to be with, with people and have something happy and uplifting to focus on. And I think, uh, you know, music festivals are a great place for that. Well, you know, of course, when we think of outdoor music festivals here in the, uh, the Pensacola area, I think we primarily think of the hangout music festival over in Gulf Shores uh, that we look forward to every year. Didn't get to happen last year. And we're still waiting on a call for, for 2021. Uh, I know that the organizers had announced in December uh, saying, hey, guys, we know you're usually used to hearing about a lineup right about now. We're holding off on that for just a little while, and we're going to make a decision uh, towards the end of January. So hopefully towards the end of January, we will hear uh, hear where we are with the Hangout Music Festival. Uh, you know, they uh, they typically take place in mid-May. So maybe we're in a better sh- position by then that we're we're able to have that festival happen. Maybe it gets pushed back a little later in the year, hoping that it doesn't get pushed back another full year because that would be a be a real bummer. And of course, you know they had a very big lineup announced for 2020 with uh, uh, among the other names at the top of the bill, uh, Billie Eilish and Post Malone and Lana Del Rey, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, it was uh, sh- a shaping up. Uh, they had Megan the Stallion on the lineup uh, before, you know, before the phenomenon that she became this year. So she would probably be a little higher up on the uh, on the tally now, even, even than she was yeah. then. Uh, of course, they, you know, this was announced so long ago. They had Juice World on the bill, who actually passed away before uh, that that festival would have even happened, uh, much less before all the COVID and everything. So, you know, I know that they, they committed at the time that they would try to bring back as much of that lineup as they could because, uh, frankly, it was by far their most successful lineup uh, as far as in terms of the the rapidity with which it sold out. It sold out very quickly and uh, very, very, very much more quickly than that festival has ever sold out in its 10-plus uh, year history. And I, I really think that, by and large, was because of Billie Eilish and uh, – if they can sure. bring, if they can get her back on the bill, I think they're going to be just fine, uh, no matter no matter when that takes place. Because I, I think she's proving that she is not a uh, a flash in the pan. She's going to be here for a little bit, and uh, I'm personally okay. glad for that. Uh, Andy, how about yourself? What uh, what are you most looking forward to getting out and doing? And now I know you've actually gone and done a few things. You, I know you've gone to the movie theater. I think you've gone to some live theater. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what you're looking forward to. Hopefully the movie theaters are going to be back up and running full speed. I like the big screen experience. Sitting in front of the screen at home, watching streaming is great, and I'm glad I've had that. But definitely going to more movies. Again, the big screen experience. Something I was starting to look forward to doing that got cut short by the pandemic uh, was going to some more comic cons. Pentacon. Mm-hmm got me excited about branching out and going to some of the other big Comic-Con events. Um, I had to miss Dragon Con. I was going to go to that for the first time this year, this past year. So want to do some of those. I'm looking forward to that. Theme parks. There's a void in my soul. I didn't get to go to Halloween Horror Nights this year at Universal. I'm going to try to make up for that by going twice next year. 
So, <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't gotten to Disney yet to see the new Star Wars exhibit or to experience Avatar. Uh, so those, those things uh, are high on my list. I could definitely put those out there. And I think 2021 might give me some opportunities in those areas. So I've got my fingers crossed, and I'll definitely echo what you and Jeremy are talking about with music festivals as well. Well, and of course, you know, our Florida theme parks have been reopened since, uh, oh, late summer, I want to say. And I, I do know a few people that have, have gone uh, either to Disney or Universal and uh, have spoken very highly of the efforts that they've been making to make it safe, to make sure everybody's wearing a mask, to make sure the cleanliness is there, that things are being cleaned constantly, that there's hand sanitizer everywhere, that uh, you can go and if you are so inclined, have a fairly safe experience. Uh, well, I'm hoping to branch out and, and hit the theme parks again this year because, as you say, it sounds like it's a, it's a doable thing at this point. Well, and, and over and above that, I know a lot of people have been saying that because the crowds are not coming back in the volume that these companies would like to have, the, the prices have never been lower Inter- well, I, I mean, Florida that's not fair to say. Fifty dollar thing yesterday. Uh, I got a link yesterday saying that Florida residents can get into the Disney parks for like fifty bucks. Yeah, see, I think it was fifty bucks when I was a kid. So that's uh, that's pretty crazy. But all the yeah. all of, all the resort hotels are are dirt cheap right now. And then once you get in the place, it's uh, you know largely empty. So you kind of have the run that's of the cool. park, which is uh, you know it's it's very tempting. And you know, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Guys, we got to take our first break. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Oh, I could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring, but it rings. And I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it stings. Cheer up, sleepy Gino. What can it mean to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? Radio 92.3 and AM 16.20. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking about looking forward to the year in pop culture and entertainment with Andy Metzger and Jeremy Branch. And uh, I I wanted to come in with a little bit of Daydream Believer there from the Monkees because uh, that is a song that has been used in the promos for a new series that's going to debut on Friday on Disney+. Plus. So we're less than a week away from WandaVision, and that marks the return of our beloved Marvel Cinematic Universe, which we've been without for the whole of 2020. There has been no new Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, films or films released in 2020. And now not only do we expect to get the films back this year, we are also expecting to uh, get uh, a whole slew of TV series on Disney+, and we're starting that on Friday with WandaVision. So... Guys, I know that you are big Marvel Cinematic Universe fans like I am myself. Uh, Andy, I'll start with you. What are you in particular looking forward to about WandaVision? Well, first of all, 
it's right up my alley. The Scarlet Witch, a.k.a. Wanda Maximoff, is one of my favorite Marvel superheroes. I've, I've loved her since she was first introduced in the comic books way back when, and, of course, cinematically, and now in this series with, of course, uh, Paul Bettany as Vision. And putting them in a sitcom scenario, and from what I'm gathering, it's sort of a fractured reality uh, scenario where you, you really don't know what you're going to get as it moves forward. I think you're going to see the breakdown of the sitcom, sort of uh, old-school Dick Van Dyke look that it has, and it's going to move into other dimensions. Is that the take you guys have on it, that that we're going to start to see all sorts of interesting twists in the reality? And I'm very excited, especially with those two. What do you think? Well, we know, and this is one of the things that I think is important to realize about these Disney Plus series that are coming out. We, we've seen some other Marvel TV series over the past few years, and for the most part, they, while they may have seen some influence and consequence from the films, the, the, the train hasn't rolled back the other way. We haven't seen much of anything from anything from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to the Netflix series Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, uh, or any of the other few things that have been out there, Cloak and Dagger or Runaways that has gone back and, and turned around and influenced the movies. I think the, the, the closest thing we saw to that was uh, Tony Stark's father's butler, Jarvis, uh, from the Agent Carter series, did appear in Endgame. So we got to see that, that go back a little bit. And, but, but that's really been about it, whereas you know, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. definitely reflected things that were going on in the movies. The movies didn't in turn reflect what was going on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. In fact, as far as we know, the Avengers still don't know that Phil Coulson is alive. So, right, uh, right. so you know, uh, versus what we're going to see now, this, this WandaVision series, it's already out there, is directly going to influence at least the next uh, two of the next uh, films that are coming out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We know this leads into the second Doctor Strange film, which is titled Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We know right. Scarlet Witch is going to be in that movie. We know it's directly influencing that movie. Uh, and we know that it's going to somehow affect the next Spider-Man film as well. Uh, Spider-Man announced to appear in uh, Multiverse of Madness, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure. But then we, we know that there's this grander thing. And I know we're getting even a little bit beyond Marvel Cinematic Universe because there's also that whole Sony universe of Mar Marvel characters that is all the Spider-Man characters but Spider-Man himself gets to cross over a little bit. But since Marvel Studios produces those films, I think it's fair to, to, to bring it up. We know that Spider-Man 3, or at least we assume, is, is going to have some kind of multiversal element to it as well. We know Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro from the Andrew Garfield films. We know that Alfred Molina is coming back as Dr. Octopus from the Tobey Maguire films. So that all ties together. And, you know, let's just mention in there, by the way, that the director of Doctor Strange 2, a little guy named Sam Raimi, who directed the three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. So that uh, I have a feeling that's going to come into play somewhere in there as well. But that's all going to spin out of the series that we're getting on Friday on uh, on Disney Plus. Jeremy, talk to me. Are you excited? Oh, 100%. Um, I, you know, as with you guys, I've, I've been there for the evolution of the MCU. And, Andy, to your point, that's, that's totally the vibe that I got out of it. It's almost as if 
somebody is like, and I'm assuming it's Wanda, is like scrolling through channels of decades of different sitcoms because there's some that have the the 50s flavor. There's some that have the 70s flavor. So I do very much think that it's going to play on the tropes of the sitcoms throughout different decades. And I think that that's just infinitely interesting because the one thing that I can say after after 10 years is there have been moments in my fandom that I have kind of started to get tired of the formula. And right as I approach that, they take a hard left turn. They take a hard right turn, and they, and they switch things up. So I feel that WandaVision and additionally Loki, like both of them have this really cool offbeat vibe to them that is, is distinct, and it's unique, and it does feel like an evolution of what we've seen. It still feels that it fits in that universe, but they're continuing to just tweak the formula enough to keep it interesting and keep it from going stale and I stand hard for Elizabeth Olsen, by the way, just throwing that out there. I'm not a huge Scarlet Witch fan just because I don't know the comics super well. But ever since she came into the MCU, I think she's a, a great character. I know she's like a like a Class E mutant or something like that, or like a Class 5, like whatever the tough ones are. I know she's a badass like Jean Grey or something like that, which is cool. And uh, I love the fact that they're actually going to lean into how powerful – she really is, and I think that we're probably going to see a lot of that in the multiverse of madness. I feel like uh, what's going to, uh, I feel like the culmination of what we get in WandaVision, and this is purely conjecture, it's not a spoiler, I have no inside information, but I imagine she is going to break um, and give us a somewhat tragic ending to the WandaVision series to set her up as this sympathetic villain in the multiverse of madness, which I think is, is brilliant. I, I think that villains in the MCU do the best when they have that extra layer, you know, as opposed to a villain like, like Ultron, you know, which James Spader's voice was wonderful and all of that. But I felt like he was a very archetypal villain where then you look at somebody like Killmonger and Black Panther, somebody like Thanos where like, yeah, they're clearly bad guys. They clearly, uh, you know, overstep the line, but they're relatable and you can empathize with them. And I think that uh, Scarlet Witch's origin has been, it's been traumatic ever since she got, I mean, forever, you know? And so obviously I think there's a very human toll that's going to be taken on her after losing her brother, her twin brother, the love of her life, you know, like, uh, she's being let, let's, let's put be a, a, let's put a comma in between twin brother and the love of her life there. Because, because, well, not not only that, I mean, if we're getting into the Marvel Ultimate Universe, there was that implication there that uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were more than just brother and sister. And uh, we don't don't need to see that in the MCU. So let's make sure that we emphasize there is a comma between brother and the love of her life. The love of her life is Vision, not Quicksilver. Correct. Thank you for elaborating on that. I did not know that was a thing. And now I'm it, curious. It, I'm going to go start reading the comics. It shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked about it. I think that everything that, that Marvel is going to be releasing on, on Disney Plus this year are things I'm enthusiastic about. And like you said, it's almost like we're all needing that, that MCU fix at this point. It's been a while. It's been a consistent part of our lives for the better part of a decade, even, even more than that now. And, uh, so to see it continue on and continue to evolve is something that I'm just thrilled about. Well, and before we get into any, any of the other MCU stuff, one of the other things I find interesting about WandaVision is not just that we know that these connections are coming 
to the Doctor Strange film to the Spider-Man film, but they're also bringing back in the in the in WandaVision series some of the supporting characters we've seen in some of the other films throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We know that uh, Kat Dennings is coming in as Darcy from the Thor movies, which is a character I really love, just a little fun side character. So she's going to be in the show. We know that uh, Randall Park is going to be in the show as uh, Agent Jimmy Woo, who we met in Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's going to be around. And then we're going to see an adult version of Monica Rambeau, who was a character that we were introduced to as a child in the Captain Marvel movie. Uh, we're going to see the adult oh version. Now, those of us who are, who are uh, Marvel Comics fans know that Monica Rambeau at one point was herself Captain Marvel and then took the name Photon and, and has superpowers. So we are likely seeing the debut of another new superhero here. And it has already been announced that that same actress will carry over to play Monica Rambeau in Captain Marvel 2. So there's there's some uh, some possible far-reaching uh, exploits going on here in in the course of uh, this this initial series that already looks intriguing from the terms of the subject matter, but in terms of the uh, the impact on the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, that seems like that's gonna gonna be a big impact too. And I have a well, feeling. Julio, go ahead, Andy. Oh, I was I was going to say. Some of these things, Julio, you're telling me right now, I was not even aware of. So you've got me even more excited about WandaVision. I think this is going to be one of the best series that's ever streamed. Uh, I, don't, I don't see how it can miss with everything we're discussing here. And one thing I'll say about Scarlet Witch, and, and Jeremy drew the comparison to Jean Grey, I always got to get the feeling, just as with Jean Grey, they're holding back Wanda Maximoff's true power, true presence, holding her back, holding her back, and we're finally going to see who she really is. So it's exciting. That's all. <laughs> I think uh, as someone who is a fan of the comics, I think that's uh, that's a fair assessment. It's something that really happened in the comics over the years, too. It's, you know, it happened a lot, with and, and with, with Jean Grey as well. You know, they kind of downplay, the, you know, because in the 60s they just didn't really pay enough attention to the female characters. They were there, but they were always kind of like, the the mom of the group or they were kind of the, the 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 damsel in distress that had to be protected and over the years we got to see the the true the true power that these women have and i think that's what we're seeing in in this series too and i'm very much looking forward to it uh we'll talk more about the the rest of the upcoming stuff from the marvel cinematic universe when we come back we do have to take a break you're listening to news radio 92.3 and am 1620 
News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking about everything we're looking forward to in pop culture in the new year. Well, you know, as much as we can get to within an hour. Sorry, folks, they only give me an hour. Uh, but uh, we've got Jeremy Branch and Andy Metzger on the line, and we've been talking about uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe returning to us this year. We, we kind of focused mainly on WandaVision in the first segment there, which is uh, going to debut on Disney Plus on Friday. Now, uh, this is going to run like uh, like everything else on Disney Plus. They're going to release it a week at a time. So uh, if you've gotten used to watching Mandalorian that way, it's going to be the same same situation. Uh, so don't think you're going to just sit down and binge it on Friday. Just be prepared that it runs weekly. And you know, maybe you want to let them build up if that's the way you like watching them. Or maybe you want to watch every week like a lot of us have gotten used to with Mandalorian. And everybody goes nuts and gets excited and goes and tries to not say anything on the Internet while saying everything on the Internet. I, I expect we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, but one of the things I like about that is they've got so many of these series lined up and they've got them pretty much stacked up. Uh, we know that the next week after WandaVision ends is when we're expecting the next Marvel Cinematic Universe series to debut on Disney Plus, And that's going to be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, which is, uh, of course, spinning off from the Captain America movies and, and bringing back those two characters that we've seen uh, from the, the Avengers films and the Captain America films as a team, uh, which I think has interesting, uh, interesting possibilities because they have kind of a kind of a classic buddy picture relationship and that they, you know, they rag on each other and you're not really sure whether they actually like each other or not. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But again, also that we're going to see another loose thread addressed from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going to see Baron Zemo in this film, who we haven't seen since uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. No, excuse me, since uh, since um, Captain America Civil War. War. My my bad. Uh, So, Jeremy, uh, classic Marvel villain that we saw a little bit of coming back. uh, A couple of classic heroes coming back. Tell me about what you're excited about about this show. I got to ask you a question, and I know you are the the utmost authority on this. Hopefully, I don't don't put you on the spot, and then you prove me wrong here. Okay. Uh, what is the difference between is Baron a title? Because I thought what we got in Civil War was Helmet Zemo. Am I off? Yeah, base? Hel- Helmet Zemo is his name. So Baron's a title. Now I don't think they've okay. addressed him in the MCU as Baron, but in the in the the comics, the classic character is Baron Zemo, and there's actually been a couple of Baron Zemos. In the course of the comics, there was one in uh, in the World War II era, and then there's been a couple of others in the modern era that have connections sometimes to the original. In the original, you know, of course, it didn't quite happen this way in the movies, but for those of us who are older and read the comics growing up, you know, for years, Bucky was dead. And, yeah, it's kind of played that way in the movies too, but for for real time in the movies, it's about five minutes. Uh, right. Versus, you know, in the comics, it was years and years of this character being dead and it being this inviolate rule that that was a character that they would never bring back from the dead, uh, unlike most comics characters. And in fact, I remember uh, when I worked for Diamond Comic Distributors in the uh, early 90s, I remember sitting through a Marvel retailer summit where the guy from Marvel had this recurring theme going through his entire presentation where he talked about this character's coming back and this character's coming back. And ever after he said that, he would say, because the only characters that stay dead at Marvel are Bucky and Uncle Ben, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben. 
well, they they they've ripped up the uh, the the Bucky of it all uh, about uh, oh ten years ago or so in the comics, maybe a little more, and uh, have played with that in the in the show as well. But I I, I go through all that long winded explanation because the original person who was responsible for Bucky's death in the comics was Baron Zemo, the original Baron Zemo. So, ah, interesting. So, yeah, I, I did not realize that. And I, I feel like uh, what you said really nailed it. Like, I didn't realize how much I wanted to see the interactions between Bucky and uh, Sam until watching Civil War and, and realizing, like, oh, yeah, this is the kind of naturally the way that these things would go. They are both Steve's best friends from their respected, uh, you know, eras in his life or whatever. And to see them come together in and, and that very classic, Lethal Weapon, uh, even Rush Hour, you know, odd couple kind of dynamic, I think is, it's endlessly entertaining. They can mine the humor out of it while still kind of keeping that uh, action, espionage, thriller element that I enjoyed so much about both Winter Soldier and Civil War. So I think that this one is going to scratch the itch of the people who are more in the, like, uh, 24 Club or something like that, the people that don't want the as sensational fantasy elements of it and would rather just kind of be into the more understated action oriented stuff that they can kind of wrap their heads around. I feel like this is almost catering to a different market than, than Loki and WandaVision while also still obviously playing in that same wheelhouse and, and appealing to the broader Marvel fans as all. Well, and you know, I think the other expectation for this series is, of course, we saw at the end of Avengers Endgame, Steve Rogers pass on his shield to to Sam, to the Falcon. And the expectation is that Sam is going to evolve into the next Captain America, which is something that happened in the comics. I, I think my expectation is we're going to see that evolution in this show. That, that you know, There's been some things that have been seen in the, the trailers of him trying to practice with the shield and things like that. Uh, Andy, is that something that you're looking forward to? Do you want to see this character stay the Falcon, or do you want to see him become Captain America, some kind of hybrid between the two? Talk to me here. I think probably I see a hybrid between the two. I, I think that would work. I don't think that they would want to go the route of the Falcon character actually replacing Captain America fully. A, a hybrid seems logical to me within the story. Um, and I totally agree with what Jeremy said. This strikes me as a, a buddy film slash action thriller disguised as a superhero series. I, I think you're going to have more of that gritty down-to-earth element. And well, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, I think the chemistry between these two actors in these roles is going to make this work beautifully. Mm. Looking forward to this series a lot. And of course, I uh, would point out that in the comics, while while Sam did become Captain America, he still kept his flying equipment. So you had a, a Captain America who could fly, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that's where I suspect that we're going. I think he's going to take on the Captain America mantle, but he'll still keep his everything that makes him Falcon as part of him as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to focus too much more on the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV side, but I, I do know that this year we are getting Loki, which we mentioned briefly, which looks like it's going to be a lot of fun with him getting uh, involved in, in time travel hijinks and uh, stepping into the role of D.B. Cooper, it looked like, in the trailer at one point, and uh, among other things like that. So that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. 
We know we're going to get the animated What If series, which is going to uh, take a look at what might have happened if something had been different in every single Marvel movie with most of those cast members coming back to voice their characters. Uh, and, cool. and, you know, you get some some, you know, sort of obvious things like uh, what if Peggy Carter had the super ser- soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers? And then you get some less obvious things like what if Yondu picked up the wrong kid and instead of picking up Peter Quill, he picked up T'Challa and T'Challa became Star-Lord. Uh, th- so, you know, that that's going to be a lot of fun. But I don't want to let the segment get away from us without mentioning that we're also getting our Marvel movies back this year. It's not going to just be these series that are coming to, to uh, Disney plus, but uh, it looks like we assuming we don't get things moved around on us again, we'll get, we'll finally get black widow back in May, which was supposed to have been out last May. We're expecting uh, the Shang Chi movie to come out just a couple of months after that. And we're expecting the Eternals film to come out before the end of the year as well. And then of course the next Spider-Man film before the end of the year as well. So, uh, so Andy, what are you most excited to see out of those films? Well, I think my answer is not going to surprise you, but Black Widow. I am a diehard Star Wars Johansson fan, especially in this role, and the trailers look fantastic. Uh, I think the, the supporting cast with uh, Pew and Harbor in there, it's, it's really going to be uh, everything we're hoping for. And that's my that's my number one pick. Most looked forward to Marvel film of the year. And of course, you know Florence Pugh already announced to also appear in the Hawkeye series that's forthcoming. I don't know if we'll get that this year or if that'll dwindle into twenty twenty three. But uh, so that's something more. That character is going to be around for a while as well. Jeremy, real quick for the for the films, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, we'll go in all or nothing with Spider-Man 3. This is either going to be the most amazing, awesomely bizarre movie that we've seen in the Spider-Man series up to date, or it's going to be the biggest train wreck of all time, and I'm here for it either way. You know, I, I, I'm looking very much forward to all four films, but I'm kind of leaning towards the Eternals right now, which I wasn't. But uh, this, this director, Chloe Zhao, who is in the major Oscar discussion for this year for her current film, uh, I'm just interested to see what she brings to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, I, I think that's going to be real interesting. I, it's not the, the biggest fan favorite property, and it's not even my favorite property. But I, I'm just very intrigued to see what that does and what that brings to the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe. We've got to take our last break, guys. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.
92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We have been talking about everything that's coming up in pop culture in 2021 with Jeremy Branch and Andy Metzger. And uh, that's one thing that we've got to look forward to in uh, in uh, 2021. If you are a certain kind of fan as I am, we have a new Godzilla movie. Not just a new Godzilla movie, but also a new King Kong movie in Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, that is set to come out uh, towards the middle of the year. Now, there's some questions about this because this is uh, part of this is on Warner Brothers slate. And as you may know, Warner Brothers announced uh, towards the end of 2020 that they were going to put out their entire slate on the same day uh, on HBO Max and in theaters. And some of their creators are not too happy with them about that, be it directors or in the case of Godzilla versus Kong. There's a, another production company they work with called Legendary. They're also the production company that helped finance the Dune movie that is coming out this year. And they are saying, uh, wait a minute there, Warner Brothers. Uh, we got a lot of money in this, and we didn't tell you you could do that. So there's there's some battle as to how that film's going to be released, but we do still expect to see that film released this year, uh, along with a lot of other interesting stuff on that Warner Brothers slate. Uh, that's one I'm looking forward to, even though i I got to admit... I didn't love Godzilla King of the Monsters. I love the visuals. I, I just, I guess I was a little more hyped up for it than I needed to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I did like, uh, I did like the, uh, as I call it, Kong Apocalypse Now film that came out a couple of years ago. The, uh, the, the Kong and the Vietnam era film that I, I thought was a lot of fun. So, and of course, you know, anytime you can see these two Titans go at each other, I think it's, it's worthwhile. Uh, mm-hmm. Any, any thoughts, uh, Jeremy, about Kong versus Godzilla? Oh, man, so many, Julio. How much time do we got? Uh, we got about, uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, about nine minutes. I'll make it short. I'm very excited about this. I echo a lot of what you said. I believe it was 1962, the last time we saw these two kaiju face off against each other in a Japanese film. So this is the first time that American audiences are going to get treated to the, you know, the big blockbuster treatment of these characters. And I echo what you said about King of the Monsters, even 2014's Godzilla – uh, and and Kong Skull Island. These are not great movies. These are great times at the movies. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say that these are Academy Award deserving films or anything like that, but I'm very excited to see what happens with it. Well, you know, Skull Island, it's almost the Marvel Cinematic Universe versus King Kong because you had uh, Sam Jackson, you had Brie Larson, you had Tom Hiddleston. So, you know, as Loki, Captain Marvel, yeah. and Nick Fury take on, take, take on King Kong. Uh, I liked it. But, yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun film. I, I liked that one more than I liked Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But, I, you know, I enjoyed them. I definitely enjoyed the visuals. And that's the thing with, yeah. with this is a film that I almost feel like demands IMAX. And I just I'm kind of hoping that by the time it comes out that regardless of any dispute between legendary and HBO max that I'm able to go see that on a big screen because, because I, I think it deserves it. Uh, you know, and Warner brothers has a very interesting slate ahead and we, I think we've talked a little bit about, about this. And of course, you know, they've done this, this first experiment with wonder woman, 1984 coming out uh, on Christmas day in both theaters and on HBO max. I think uh, we've all got a chance to see it. It's been a, a fairly divisive film on, uh, on the internet. I, I liked it. I know Andy loved it. Uh, Jeremy, real quick, I don't know if you've seen it yet or what you thought about it. It was awful. It was awful. I'm firmly in the camp of people that are just piling on. I, I wish I had something more constructive to 
to uh, add to the conversation. But yeah, it, it, well, it wasn't for me. Since since we're really looking forward here, we won't spend a whole lot of time on that. But uh, but uh, whether the film was thought to be good or bad by the viewer doesn't invalidate this experiment of let's put it out both places. Uh, and you know, I mentioned Dune. That's what I'm looking forward to. I am a fan of the DC universe. I'm very much looking forward to James Gunn's take on the Suicide Squad. Uh, Absolutely. That may be my most eagerly anticipated film of the year just because, A, I love the property, but, B, I love James Gunn, and I want to see what he brings to it. Let me throw out my two real quick because I think that's a great pick. I'm really looking forward to Mortal Kombat. You know, call me crazy if you want to. Again, not sure it's going to be a great movie. There's just these little IPs that I really root for, and uh, Godzilla and Kong and Mortal Kombat are at the top of that list. My most anticipated, though, is, is Dune. I think that's the one that I'm the most looking forward to in 2021. Andy, do you have one that you want to throw in there as like your most anticipated? Um, as as far as films, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the Suicide Squad two. That one in the trailers looks very intriguing to me, and I, I like what it what I my take on what Gunn is doing with it uh, has got me very excited. I'm going I'm going to take a nostalgia moment. I'll, I'll I'll promise to make this short. King Kong versus Godzilla going to date myself here as a little grade school kid when that hit u.s theaters yes i was there in 1962 watching that movie with a theater full of other screaming kids going crazy the whole time and when it hits again that little kid will be alive and well watching it as this older man <laughs> so love to hear it that's awesome no that's I was old, i'm old enough to have seen it when it first came out First version. <laughs> but, but I'm glad you mentioned Suicide Squad because it, it does bring up another point that I want to get to before we end the show. We we know that not only are we getting the Suicide Squad, we are getting a spinoff series in Peacemaker on HBO Max. And there was an interesting interview with the head of DC Films, Walter Hamada, that came out uh, just before the end of the year where he talked about this is uh, very much their strategy going forward with, with DC Films. And in that they want to get ramp up to four films a year and for each of those films to have spin, you know, spinoff series for HBO Max and for them to also do some additional films specifically for HBO Max. Uh, they've talked about maybe Batgirl being something that being being an HBO Max film. They've talked about Static Shock maybe being an HBO Max film rather than a theatrical release. Uh, and, you know, they're going to continue this DC extended uh, Extended universe? Is that what DCEU stands for? I can't even remember anymore. Uh, Sure. But but they're also doing films that are independent of that. The Robert Pattinson Batman movie is independent of that. And its spinoff Gotham Police Department series is separate from that. We know we're going to see a multiverse there as well, not just in that films that are not in with the mainstream universe, but also in that we're going to see a multiversal Flash film come out sometime in the next couple of years with at least two Batman in it, at least Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in it. And uh, so they've got these big, big plans that are, you know, kind of similar to the mold that Marvel has. Uh, There's been, you know, criticism over the years that maybe DC has rushed into this and maybe they haven't uh, handled it as well as, uh, as Marvel because of that. And, you know, maybe that's maybe your opinion of Wonder Woman 84 forms, what you think of what that is. But uh, we'll we'll start with Jeremy on that. What do you think? Are they doing too much too soon? 
I I feel like, and, and I've I've been tracking this stuff for for quite a few years. I mean, if you guys are familiar with the podcast, uh, that I mean, Julio and I have been doing this together for a couple of years. So I've been very had my finger on the pulse of what's been going on over at WB with their repeated change in regimes and their repeated uh, veering off the course and then course correcting and then changing their plans. And I my advice is just shut up. Don't tell people what your big overarching plan is because then you look foolish when it doesn't come to fruition in the way that you say it's going to. I think that DC uh, Warner Brothers has been very hit in this. Uh, I've loved so many of their films and then other of them. I just I can't rationalize and wrap my head around how it happens. But that go, that speaks to all movies in general. It's not like I'm singling out Warner Brothers. But yeah, I just I feel like the fundamental flaw in their approach is uh releasing too many plans at a time when they don't have the momentum of somebody like Marvel Studios who can be like, hey, for the next 10 years, here's every movie that's going to be coming out and then stick to it. It just it makes them look like amateurs when they're not able to do the thing that everybody's directly comparing them to. And that's nobody's fault. I just wish that they would just kind of keep it under wraps a little bit. What do you think about that, Andy? Well, for me, the DC films have been hit and miss, and they've had too many misses. I've I've enjoyed their films, but there are some that I think miss the mark. And I I tend to agree with Jeremy. Um, If if they can just put out one good film after another, I think it's going to serve them well. There's nothing wrong with the multiverse approach that, that they're initiating, and I think that works, and it appeals to me. It works for Marvel. So we'll, we'll see where they go. But I, I'm hoping that they continue to, to raise their level. Let's address the 800-pound gorilla of the DCEU while, while we're at it here. Uh, the uh, eagerly anticipated by some and, 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 <laughs> oh, some, no. and, and looked forward to with dread by others, Snyder cut of Justice League. Uh, you know, I just, I mean, I guess it's the last we'll see of Ray Fisher. <laughs> for, for for better or for worse, uh, but I just like yeah. I, I'm at this point. I'm going to watch it out of obligation. But are, are, is anybody actually excited about it? I mean, I guess the Snyder Bronies are, but is anybody else? I can't get a handle on it. I, I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is based based on what I've read and, and images I've seen. So I, I'm definitely going to watch. I I was not as tough on Justice League as a lot of people were, but it, it had its flaws, mainly. So, what it is, Andy, I, is it's Zack Snyder's nihilistic fever dream. That's what it does. Okay. Well, <laughs> fair that, assessment. That, that clarifies it for me. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm going to give it a look and see what I think. Uh, but again, getting a handle on it is tough. Well, I'm sure we will be talking about all of this again in the future here on the show, but we are out of time for now. Guys, thank you so much for joining me this week. We will be back next week with much more. Until then, you are listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.